day as he teaches us. Please open up his his mouth that he speaks your words mm-hmm. and help us to hear what is being said. Take away whatever is stopping that, that we can see and know you and become deeper in your presence. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, can you hear me without the mic? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Great. How is everyone doing? Good. Good. Um, yes, thank you for reminding me. I'm recording. Thank you, Scott. Um, I just want to say I really, strict with us. I really appreciate how you guys led us this morning, both of you. Um, you guys are super wise, and your, your humility is really beautiful. So I just want to say thank you to both of you guys for that. Um, and on that note, guys, just I was thinking about this this week. I think that um, just a, a brief reminder and a nudge, can we be people that encourage one another? Um, because I think we need that all the time, but I think m- now more than ever, maybe just me now more than ever, but I think we, we could use that. And my mom used to say this thing. She would always, I remember she'd always like run into random people and I'd see her talking and they're like, your shoes are so beautiful. Or like, she'd say something like, you're so kind. And I was like, why do you always just encourage random people? That's weird. And she was saying, well, if I think something nice, I should just tell the person like, what, what harm is it going to do to encourage them? And so I just want to just nudge us. If you thank it today, if you thank it this week when you're hanging out with people, just say it. Yeah. People need to be encouraged. And encouragement goes a long, long way. So take that for what it is. But um, yeah, Strickwoodis, again, thank you guys so much for just being who you are. Uh, today, guys, we are in <clears throat> part three of our series, The Way of Jesus. And the big idea of this series is how do we live a both and life with God? Where it's not just God does everything and I do nothing, or it's I do everything and God does nothing. It's that this, this blend of the two, where God has given us this incredible gift of new life, of grace, of mercy, of rescuing us from, dead, from the dead and bringing us back to life, and our intelligent response to that. That's where we're going to actually see change happen. And that's what, like, even what Lee was encouraging us to do in that invitation from God, is we actually have to take a, that God's in the river, but he's waiting for us to come and respond. And so how do we do that in all of our lives That is kind of what we're going to be talking through and thinking through over the next few weeks. Um, what does it look like to live intelligent, informed lives that are partnering with and empowered by the Spirit to see uh, Jesus' life lived out in beautiful, unique ways in each of our lives? And so today, a lot of what I'm going to say, a little disclaimer, I, I've said a lot of what I'm going to say today already, and, I, and that's okay. Because I think, guys, we, actually I know that we as a, as a community of people, we need to be drenched in this stuff, like just sopping wet in the whole good news of the gospel, this whole call to be disciples. And so what I'm saying is I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. And I'm going to be saying this again. And so I want to start, guys, just with, with reading over how we define the gospel here <clears throat> and then having this kind of set the tone. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Okay. So the gospel is the good news that God, our Father, the Creator, out of His undying love for us, has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, and death, 
and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, to establish his kingdom in and through his people in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the good news. This is what we rally around. This is what we want to have saturate and inform and shape everything we do. The way we see ourselves, the way we see others, the way that we see the world around us and its varying issues that seem to be changing on the, by like minute to minute. We want to have the gospel be the, the reality that we live out of. You see, God, like, like we talked about last week, God has given us a new life. And not only that, he's brought us into a new home in himself. He's brought us into a new reality in his kingdom. He's given us a new identity as his children. He's put us into a new family. These people in this room and on out into the rest of the world, people who follow Jesus. He's given us a new purpose to do what he did. He's given us a new hope that one day he will restore all things. And he's given us a new source of power, which is the Holy Spirit, to, to, to live and into and guide our lives. This is all good news. And what Jesus said, in summary of all these things, is, is, is in his own words in the Gospel of John, he says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. And John, again, in his, his first letter, he says this, God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. So that is our starting point this morning, guys. We've received this gift of, of a new life in Jesus. And so now how are we going to intelligently and empowered by the Spirit in a healthy way respond to that is what we're going to be looking at today. So before we hop in, would you guys pray with me? So Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for... I'm, I'm blown away, Lord, this morning just by the fact that we don't have to do this alone. That we get to do this in a community of people. And now we have one another to encourage us, to spur us on. We have people like Lee who are willing to share a prophetic word that, that affects all of us, Lord. That invites all of us further up and further into your kingdom. I'm thankful, Lord, for the way that people came up early in the morning to open up the doors so that we could come in here. And people are doing sound. And they're just, we're working together, Lord, for a purpose. And that purpose is to, to get to know you better. To, to get to know one another better and for your kingdom to come and, and just have, have your way in this space this morning, Lord. So whatever contribution I have, Lord, anoint my mouth to, to bring the good news of Jesus. I pray for a soft hearts and open ears. Lord, where our eyes are blurry, I pray for clarity. Where our hearts are hard, I pray that they'd be softened this morning by your spirit. And I just ask, Lord, that as we leave here this morning, we would be... Uh, just ready to let go of everything else, realizing that the things that we thought would satisfy don't actually satisfy, and that only you, Jesus, are going to satisfy our deepest longings forever and ever. So we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, the first big idea, guys, I want to talk about today, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about, is that all, so we've been given this new life, and all of this new life is, is to be lived all for Jesus. And so the big idea here is that our life as Christians or as followers of Jesus is so much more than just the hour and a half that we're together here in this room, right? That's good news. Because if this is all it is, that's, there, there's, there's got to be more than this. Or it's, it's more than just this and community group. Or this and community group. And when we serve at Shift or when we talk to our neighbors, it's every single aspect of our life is meant to be lived with Jesus. And this is incredibly good news. So God is, God's life is meant to show up in us everywhere and all the time, 24-7, 365, or even on leap years, 366 days, those years. So Dallas Willard puts it this way. Let's read this quote together. 
We've, what we've done, though, is this. We've relegated God's life in us to special times and places and states of mind, and we've become so used to this style of life, we are hardly aware of it. When we think of taking Christ into the workplace or keeping Christ in the home, we are making our faith into a set of special acts. The specialness of such acts just underscores the point that being a Christian, being Christ, isn't thought of as a normal part of life. You get what I'm saying? We, we, we make it this you know, religious thing, that we're, we're doing these special acts for God. So for us, as we're trying to live into this new life that God's given us, as we're trying to say thank you in everything we're doing, it's paramount for us to grab a hold of this idea that our new life in Jesus is to be lived out in every dimension, in every direction of our normal everyday lives. So things like when you're sitting down to think about what, what movie should I be watching on my day off? How should I be treating my employees? How should I you know, be spending my money? Everything across the board is, is to be meant out of the, to be lived out of this new life we have in Jesus. So this is cool because we can live all of our normal, not special, boring, mundane Tuesday afternoons for and with Jesus. And this is part of what makes the outlandish gift of life with God so incredible is that he actually wants in on all of that. He wants in on the boring, mundane Tuesday afternoon of your life. And think about, thinking about marriage, like sometimes when we think about marriage, we think it's going to be this incredible experience of everything is going to be blissful and we're going to have dates constantly. And reality check, it's mostly boring. It's mostly fighting about the dishes or, or like, why did you fold the towels that way? And it's not all that, but there are just normal things that you go through. You go on long drives and no one talks, but you're doing that with someone. And so we have the God of the universe wanting and willing, just waiting to be a part of our big and medium and small moments of every single stinking day. Okay? But how often do we forget that? How often do we just think, okay, God, I have to do these special things for you, and maybe then I'll be able to experience your presence. If I try hard enough or if I pray you know, eloquently enough or if I sing loud enough, maybe then I'll know you. And he's like, hey, I just want to get to know you when you're doing the dishes. And my, one of my kids was saying this week that they're so excited about to get married for that very reason. How it's so romantic that one day she'll get to do the dishes with her husband. Now that's, that's great. You're getting it. You're, you have some reality check now. I'm proud of you. Uh, there's some wisdom there. But how do we think about that with God? That like God wants to be a part of everything that we do. When we, when we're, like big and small in between. This is really cool. Paul says this, for in him we live and move and have our being. We don't come in and out of our in Christus. We are now in him. We're hidden with him. And again, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians he says, So whatever, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So that's a big idea we have to get a hold of, guys, is that all of our life is meant to be lived with God. All of our life can be all for Jesus. Here's the deal, though. Truth be told is that this isn't really often how we live our lives. And that we're faced with this gap of who we are and who we want to be. Or in this case, like how we're thinking and how, how we want to, th- to be thinking or what we're experiencing and what we long to be knowing more fully. Um, we often forget God and we try to live life without him or keep it special or keep it separate. And he's, he's just there waiting to get in on all of the stuff. The other night I was putting my youngest daughter to bed and she, uh, is, she gets really like philosophical at night for some reason. She has asked all these big, deep questions, and we're having this conversation, and she's, she ends up, she's like standing up on her bunk bed, so she's like taller than me, 
and she's talking down to me like this. And she ends up saying this, like, I don't need God. I can do it myself. And I was like, man, that's such a picture of us. Like, we, we, like, we think we don't need God. We think that we can do it on our own. And the truth is we can't. And God knows that, and we are learning that slowly but surely. And so we forget that, like, so we, we separate life, and we forget that the Spirit has something to say about the everyday stuff of our lives. And how he actually wants to show us how to live like Jesus would if he were us today. And so we think we have to figure this out on our own. And we have to get like, angry and say, I don't need God and I can do it on my own. But really, he's, he's just waiting there. Like, can, can I? I have a suggestion. You know, like, I have a thought about this thing that you're thinking about. And so often we, we, we just kind of push him to the side. And I think part of that is because we don't realize that he wants in on the everyday stuff of our lives. So, so may we learn to remember that God is faithful to, to show up, that he cares about all the stuff of our lives, and that he wants to, to see us become who we really are in Christ. One of the scriptures I've been holding on to lately is this, that God is faithful to complete what he started in us. Even when I, like, I lay it down, I pick it up sometimes, God is still there cheering me on. He's there cheering you on, and he is full of compassion and grace. He is slow to anger. Jesus describes himself as gentle and lowly. He is cheering us on. He is not expecting perfection, but he is expecting partnership. He is expecting partnership. And so we need to realize that we, we have an opportunity to invite the Spirit of God into the everyday stuff of life, he has things to say, opinions to offer, strength to endure, all those things for the everyday stuff of life. So we cannot compartmentalize life anymore. We get to invite God into every aspect of our lives. Um, he is also hopeful for you. He's cheering you on, like I said, that you become your, your true self in Jesus. What, we, what we're talking about, guys, what we're learning about is obedience. And obedience is an outcome of being outrageously loved. And so we often, we, we keep God's ex, an experience of being outrageously loved into certain areas of our lives rather than all of our lives. So we exhaust ourselves trying to do this on our own, but there's some good news. Let's read Jesus' words in Matthew 11. So maybe we let God into the, the big idea. We, we know we've been forgiven of our sins but we don't realize that he wants in on the everyday stuff of life. So we're still tired. We're still not experiencing uh, the fullness of life. And Jesus says this. He says, hey, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how do we learn? We've been given this new life. We want to become like Jesus. You know, all of us, I think if, we, if I were to ask everyone in this room, we would say, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. How do we learn a lifestyle appropriate for life in God's kingdom where we're living under God's rule and God's reign? So we talk about this often. One of the, one of the most beautiful things about Jesus, so Jesus comes and reveals to us what the Father's really like, correct? Yeah. But he also comes and reveals to us what a human being fully alive in God's kingdom looks like and so we look to jesus like we know the right answers so to live like jesus if we just leave it there is an incredibly high bar you know like how do we learn how do we do this how do i turn the other cheek what does that actually mean blah 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 blah. we can fill in the blank with all kinds of stuff how do we learn like jesus is talking about learning about this yoke 
So how do we learn to live into an experience and carry the yoke that is easy and a burden that is light? Because often the yoke feels heavy and it feels difficult. And maybe we're just wrong about what we think God is expecting of, expecting of us. And so I'm going to read, this is a longer quote, guys, from this book I would highly recommend, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. And so with this in mind, let's just, so how do we do this? And is the bar impossible? And what is God expecting of us? This is what he would say. So we should be perfect, perfectly clear about one thing. Jesus never expected us simply to turn the other cheek, go the second mile, bless those who persecute us, give unto them that ask, and so forth. These responses, generally and rightly understood to be characteristic of Christlikeness, were set forth by him as illustrative of what might be expected of a new kind of person, one who intelligently and steadfastly seeks, above all else, to live within the rule of God and be possessed by the kind of righteousness that God himself has. Instead, Jesus did invite people to follow him into the sort of life from which behavior such as loving one's enemies will seem like the only sensible and happy thing to do. For a person living that life, the hard thing to do would be to hate the enemy, to turn the supplicant away, or to curse the cursor, just as it was for Jesus. True Christ-likeness, true companionship with Christ, comes at the point where it is hard not to respond as he would. Pretty cool. It goes on. Are you guys okay? I know this is a lot. Oswald Oswald Chambers observes, The Sermon on the Mount is not a set of principles to be obeyed apart from identification with Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount is a statement of the life we will live when the Holy Spirit is getting his way with us. Dang. In other words, no one ever says, If you want to be a great athlete, go vault 18 feet, run the mile under four minutes. Or if you want to be a great musician, play the Beethoven Violin Concerto. Instead, we advise the young artist or athlete to enter a certain kind of overall life, one involving deep associations with qualified people, as well as rigorously scheduled time, diet, and activity for the mind and body. But what would we tell someone who aspired to live well in general? If we are wise, we would tell them to approach life with this same general strategy. So if we wish to follow Christ and to walk in the easy yoke with him, we will have to accept his overall way of life as our way of life totally. Then and only then we may reasonably expect to know by experience how easily is the yoke, oh sorry, how easy is the yoke and how light the burden. Boom. I could have just read this book this morning. But anyways, the point I'm trying to make here, guys, is that we have to embrace the entire lifestyle of Jesus. And equally, Jesus is not expecting us all of a sudden to know how to do all the things that he did. And so we have to we have to realize that, like, there's a process in which we're learning how to become like Jesus. That's that's how we use this this life that he's given us is, is we reorient our lifestyle around the lifestyle of Jesus. A few, a few more ways he talks about the secret of the, of the easy, easy yoke. He says, it, it's living as Jesus did in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. It's to learn from Jesus how to live our total lives, how to invest all our time, our energies of mind and body as Jesus did. It's intelligent, informed, unyielding resolve to live as Jesus lived in all aspects of his life, not just in the moment or spe- of special choice or action. 
And maybe this feels overwhelming to you. Maybe. Yeah. But so how do we do this? And I think there's two options. And I often fall into the first category. But I want to talk about two, two ways we could go about this. One being right and one being wrong. The first thing we could do is just try really hard to be like Jesus. Try really hard to live out the Sermon on the Mount. To turn the other cheek. To give. To bless those who curse us. All that type of stuff. And just to illustrate this, a few years ago, I tried to become a runner. Um, and if I do, why, why are you laughing? But, um, if, I don't know if you're like me, but if I do something, I want to be really good at it like immediately. Yeah. I don't want to have to try. I want to just be amazing right away. And so I thought if I go buy the right clothes, I went to the Nike outlet. I bought some sweatpants. I bought some running shirts, like some layers, some gloves. No short shorts, but I was set up. Um, but then I actually went running, and I hated it. Absolutely hated it. My knees hurt. I got a stitch in my side. My phone, I remember my phone kept falling out of my pocket. I was like, this is the worst designed pant ever. And worst of all, Jess thought my shoes were stupid. So, um, so what did I do? I quit. I was like, I, I don't want to run. But then I looked at my shoes. I looked at my fancy running gear, my gloves, and I felt guilty. And so I thought, maybe if I just try harder then I'll end up loving running. And it was all about my effort and just trying and trying and trying. And I entered into this shame cycle where I wouldn't run and I would run and I'd hate it and then I wouldn't hate it. And I never really got anywhere and I never really became a runner. And so maybe this is the, this is the cycle we fall into when we just try really hard. And so we feel, we, we try harder, then we get tired, then we quit, then we feel guilty. So then we try harder again, and then we feel tired and we hate it and then we quit and then we feel guilty again and we just keep going like this. And maybe we feel like this in our discipleship to Jesus. Maybe there's a specific discipline, like, hey, I want to I learn how to fast. And so we try right away to do it, and it's more difficult than we thought, so then we quit, but then we feel guilty, then we try harder, and it keeps going like this. And so I hadn't realized that in my desire to be a runner, to become a runner, I needed to adjust my lifestyle to afford new patterns and practices that would make me a runner. So I thought I could just waltz through a marathon, like, if I had to just go get a bib and just run for hours, I could do it. But what I did is I simply maintained my existing lifestyle, but expected the benefits of being a marathon runner. And we so often do this with our discipleship to Jesus. We're like, Jesus, you gave me this new life. Like, why aren't I just more like you? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And so we try, and then we feel guilty because we're not like that, and then we feel shame. And that, you get the point. We enter into this shame cycle. But what if there's a different way? What if there's a different way that we see in Scripture that would actually give us the results that we're longing for? And I have a friend named Vic who is actually a runner, like legit a runner. Um, he's actually training to run an ultra marathon in South Africa this year, which is flipping 89 kilometers at one time or 55 miles, which is insane. But what Vic does is he doesn't just try really hard, he trains. Vic trains to run. And so he has a goal in mind, he has a plan. He's adjusted his habits and lifestyle to accomplish this goal. And so like day by day, he's adding little bits of distance to his run. He goes to bed on time. He eats healthy. He stretches, which is huge, I learned. Um, and then when, when appropriate, he probably even wears short shorts. But the whole point is that he's adjusting his lifestyle. He's training to become a marathon runner. And so unlike the shame cycle, what he's experiencing is, is something like the joy cycle which is he's practicing, he's able to see growth and change as he's adding distance, 
And then he's growing in confidence, which only leads to more joy, which makes practice something that you, you long for and you want to do and you see growth in that. That is a different cycle altogether, right? And this is what we want to embrace as disciples of Jesus, is this lifestyle of not trying, but of training, of learning to, to train ourselves in godliness and adopting the lifestyle of Jesus in all of life. Like Vic's entire life is, is, is kind of is changed or affected by this idea of wanting to run a marathon. So if our life is to become like Jesus, all of our life needs to be changed to make that goal a possibility. And so God... God is inviting us guys into this new life and he wants to teach us how to live it, which is such good news. He's not like, hey, go ahead, figure it out yourself. He wants to, in every aspect and area of our lives, wants to teach us and train us in how to become more like Jesus. And so this is possible because God's spirit now indwells us and God's spirit empowers us and enables us to reorient and reshape our lives to accomplish these goals. But he is waiting for our yes from him. I was talking to someone before the service, like one of the coolest ways I heard Jesus is his relationship with the spirit explained is that when we look at this, the story of Jesus, the gospels and how he did all these incredible things, he says one way of thinking about it is Jesus always gave the Holy Spirit a green light. Whatever you want to do, spirit, let's do it. And so often we are giving him a yellow light or a red light altogether. We're not willing to, to go where he wants to go. So what would it look like if we gave the spirit a green light in every aspect or area of our lives? as we train to become more like Jesus. So what we're going to be looking at, guys, this is kind of just a setup for, we have Sabbath Sunday next week, which will be great. And then the weeks to come, we're going to start to look at some of the disciplines that Jesus had in his life and how do we implement those things, empowered by the Spirit, knowing that these things don't earn God's love, but that they're, they're birthed from this place of we long to be like Jesus. So how do we integrate things like, like silence and solitude or fasting or confession, how do these things become a part of our lives so that we can, in the everyday stuff of life, become like Jesus? And so I have for us to kind of mull over over the next couple of weeks on your way out, there is a, like a self-assessment just to kind of ask yourself some questions, spend some time praying, and then also a printout of all the lists of the spiritual disciplines that we see in Scripture, just to kind of read over There's some Scripture references. And I just am excited for where God is going to take us, guys. So in closing, I want us to stand, and I'm just going to lead us in this prayer. It's an old Celtic prayer. As we think about learning to, to live all of life with God and to, to train for godliness rather than try for godliness. It's actually the, the other slide. There it is. Can you guys read that? Kind of, yeah? Okay. So let's just pray this, and then we will... And I think Jillian's going to come up again. So let's just, before we even say this, come Holy Spirit, come have your way. So may this be our prayer this morning. God to enfold me, God to surround me, God in my speaking, God in my thinking, God in my sleeping, God in my waking, God in my watching, God in my hoping, God in my life. God in my lips, God in my soul, God in my heart, God in my suffering, God in my slumber, God in my ever-living soul, God in my eternity. Amen. So Father, bless these people in this room. Thank you that 
you know their hearts, Lord, that you are cheering them on, that you can see um, the way that Christ is going to be formed in them uniquely and specifically, and that you are faithful to complete what you started. And so, Lord, may we, may we re- like just revel in that reality, but may that spur something in us, a response in us, Lord, to say, yes, I want to respond with all of my life. I want to invite you into the everyday stuff of my life, God. I want to realize your nearness to me as I'm doing the dishes. I want to realize your nearness to me, Lord, when I'm praying. I want to realize your nearness to me, Lord, when I'm driving in the car by myself or whatever it may be. Lord, may we, may we have stories to tell, testimonies of realizing, God, your nearness to us. And Lord, from that place, may we realize that, Holy Spirit, you have things to say about the everyday stuff of our lives, that you want to train us and you want to help us create a lifestyle so that we can become like Jesus. And so, Lord, forgive us for um, just making this about our trying and about doing stuff for you. And Lord, may we be people who, who are training ourselves, who are entering into that cycle of joy rather than shame. And may we see your kingdom come, Lord, in our lives more and more every day. So make us more like you, Lord. We yield to you and we trust you and we're hopeful for the ways this is going to take place in our community, Lord, in Alliston, in Anchor Point. And so we love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.